Well, good morning, fellowship. It's uh, it's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, some of you, as uh, JJ just you know reminded us, some of you are in fellowship groups in, in home. So so glad you're together. Some with family, uh, some with friends, some may be by yourself. Um, you know, as he said, I want to remind you, we're taking the month of June to meet in, in a, at home in groups. If if you're comfortable with that, quite frankly, we're meeting just as the early church did. Let me give you a quick reminder. Uh, make sure you have your uh, the elements for the Lord's table. If you would go ahead and send someone off to do that or get that. And when, when uh, Lisa and I are at home, we just kind of have it sitting on a tray there in front of us. And I want you to go ahead and get that. And then also, if you were on, uh, on our mailing list, you got an email this week that said, grab a Sharpie. And so uh, some of you, you know, wouldn't have gotten that. And so that's why I say, grab a Sharpie. Uh, we are gonna need this uh, a little bit later when we get down to... Uh, practical application of this text. So the, the Lord's table elements, excuse me, and, and a Sharpie. Well, this morning, it's already been mentioned, but we're beginning our uh, summer series. We, we've titled it The Wilderness Where God Shapes His People. So I want you to know over the next eight weeks, uh, right up to a new series in the fall, when we'll open up, a, uh, we'll go through a book of the Bible again, um, we will be joining Israel in those years when they were in the wilderness, that, that time from when uh, God brought them out of Egypt. So they're out of Egypt, but they're not yet in the promised land. And in this space in between, they are in the wilderness. We were praying, you know, what, where do we go? What do we need to, to, to be in during this season in, in life and during this summer season, having come out of Colossians? And it seemed to us, and I trust it seemed to the Holy Spirit that uh, there are some wilderness lessons, if you will, that would serve us well in our present context. Uh, on Thursday of this past week, um, the stock market took, you know, took a plunge, one of the steepest drops uh, in history. I was reading about it in the New York Times and two words from Fed Chairman Jerome Powell caught my attention as they did others. And I just want to read a short blurb from the Times article, quote, the writer said, on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome H. Powell warned that the depth of the downturn and pace of recovery remained, quote, extraordinarily uncertain, end quote. For investors who often make buying and selling decisions looking at the future, it was altogether too much. End of the article. You know, uncertainty is unhealthy for financial markets. Extraordinary uncertainty is toxic uh, for financial markets. And as toxic as uncertainty is for financial markets, the truth be told, uncertainty can take its toll on our faith as well. When we think about the wilderness, this season that, that Israel was in the wilderness, you know, it's broadest, you know, definition, if you will, uh, it is a place of extraordinary uncertainty. There is total unknowns within the barrenness of the wilderness. You know, specifically it's those situations in life when your circumstances conspire in such a way 
as to take a toll on your faith. They're so troubling, it's so difficult, it's so painful. There's so much uncertainty that we begin to doubt the goodness of God. We begin to doubt the very things y'all that we were just singing about. Like, I, I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he's gonna come through. The wilderness as, as you know, we're using, you know, the, the literal and then figuratively as, as, as I'm using it here, it can be financial. Some of you have taken pay cuts. Some of you have taken job losses. Some, some of you are, you know, struggling with the uncertainty because as certain as the job losses and the loss of income is, there's no certainty on what's coming. The wilderness can be physical. Some of you struggling with ailments, disease, Fred Reyes now on a ventilator with, with COVID. Um, you are fighting diseases that hurt. Uh, it's harming you. It, it could kill you and you don't know how it's gonna resolve. Uh, the wilderness can be emotional. You know, it can be that place in life where your body decides it's carried the emotion long enough and boy, the interior shuts down, breaks apart, falls apart. And there are, there's no medicine per se that can heal the brokenness of your soul. The wilderness is quite often relational. And, and honestly, y'all, perhaps this is the most painful and confusing of all, which really, which makes sense to me when you think about the fact that we were, you know, we're made and God's, we're made for relationship. And therefore when fractured, the depth of that pain is profound. It could be a marriage cracking under, you know, decades of negligence or unfaithfulness, whatever challenges may be there. Uh, it could be you know, friendships that have, have been ruptured by betrayal or misunderstanding and hurt. It could be a child, or, or it could be a sibling that you've spent the better part of life out of sorts with. And then I'll say this, every wilderness, of course, is spiritual at its root. Why? Because we're spiritual beings. Our relationship with God comes under siege by these doubts and circumstances that seem utterly contrary to God's goodness and grace. There's no one looking at me right now. You know, I'm looking into a camera and you're looking at me and there's no one looking at me in this moment who does not have some area, season, time, place of wilderness in your life right now. Because there's no one who's looking at me who does not have extraordinary uncertainty in some part of life. And you know, when we're there, we ask the same questions that the Israelites do, you guys. I mean, we're, uh, I do. You know, why? Why? What's going on? How do I get through? Will I get through this? I can tell you as we walk with them in this wilderness journey, get, you can get ready for some surprises. But most importantly, and I mean this, with the deepest of convictions. Get ready for hope, um, real hope, biblical hope, not wish for hope, but biblical hope. The kind of hope that, that truly Paul will say that does not disappoint, the kind of hope I keep my Igbot bracelet on for because it reminds me wherever I am, it's gonna be okay. This is God's promise to us. With that, I'm gonna set you up, let me get the historical context, then we'll go to our text. You need to be at Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. So get there if you're not yet. We're gonna pick up this story. <laughs> Emily and uh, Carrie described it. 
God has delivered the people out of bondage in Egypt. He's taken them to the promised land. They are not to the promised land. And they're in this season, this place of wilderness. That's where we pick up this story. So chapter 13, verses 17. We're gonna go through chapter 14, verses one through four. I'm gonna give you three things to look for, or three headings, I should say, because I'll give you some insights on these. But here's three headings under which the text will fall. First is God's direction. You see, that's verses 17 to 20. Then there's God's presence. That's gonna be verses 21 and 22. And then we're gonna end with God's glory. And that's chapter 14, verses one through four. So there's the text and and there are the sections by which we will move through them. Follow along in your Bibles and let's start with God's direction. This is the living word of God for us today. Pick up verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. I want you to look with me at this map that I just lost, typical me. Um, When you think about the the path that they took, y'all, it is, uh, you know, when they, when they come out of Egypt, there is a straight line from Ramses, a straight line to the promised land that goes along the border of the Mediterranean, of, of, of the sea. And it's only 250 miles. Now I say only, but it's, it's 250 miles. What we'll notice as we're going through this wilderness series is that rather than taking the straight line, okay, and may I say it this way, even the text says it, the short route, God takes them south and east and north and turns them around, takes them back down before they eventually, some 40 years later, are ready to enter the promised land. I want you to think about this, visualize your mind. 250 miles, 800 miles. It could have been so much shorter. And that's where we ponder and we think about it. Why did he take the long route? Well, the text, and this is what's fascinating, is we get to see behind the scenes the why of all of this. Why Why the long route? Well, God said, if I took them by the short route, the Philistines will attack them and they'll turn back to Egypt. So just in in your mind, think about this. The the shortest route is is often holding dangers we don't see. So God takes the longer route called the wilderness. Uh, You know, it says in in verse 18, this this was what I I didn't understand at first. It says, they, they left 
they, they went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. And you kind of go, well, they're ready for battle because, you know, later on these stories go, they're, they don't think they're equipped for battle at all. Well, they're not. The, the Hebrew literally is there. The, the, the literal Hebrew equipped for battle is the, the phrase by groups of 50. Well, how do you get from groups of 50 to they were equipped for battle? Well, 50 is a, a military, you know, a, a unit, so to speak. But they are, they are not equipped for battle, you all. They have spent 430 years in captivity. They've been making bricks. Egypt would never let them militarize. So no, no, they're not ready for battle. And God knows that. And so he takes them the longer way. And we can say, because the text makes clear, he chooses the wilderness for a good they cannot see. Think about that. He, he, they take the wilderness for a good that, that they can't see. You can put my name in there. Lloyd can't see. God takes him through the wilderness because there's a danger that he cannot see. And this is, this is part of that paradox of faith, you guys. When you think about walking with God, um, what we think will kill us. Don't, I don't want to go to the wilderness. That's going to kill me. I want to take the short route. Well, what we think will kill us is actually saving us from danger. You can say it this way. What we think is taking us under is actually the very thing that keeps us afloat. This is the first lesson of the wilderness, if I can just make the statement. God leads us into the wilderness. He doesn't. They're not wandering into the wilderness. God leads them and leads us into our wilderness. When I was uh, in, in Little Rock, uh, Lisa and I were working for Family Life and uh, early on Family Life, we, at, at, it was a smaller staff team and we would do a, an annual um, canoe trip down the Buffalo River. And uh, on the Buffalo River, uh, there was this place called Gray Rock and Gray Rock was a big old gray rock right in, you know, at the middle of the, of the Buffalo River and the current was strong. The current would just throw you, throw you into Gray Rock and you know, everybody's tumped over, dumped over, you know, everything is flying and falling out. And, and you, you, you didn't survive Gray Rock until you understood what I know some of you canoe, some of you kayak, but uh, when the current is, moving you towards gray rock when every fiber in your body's going, ah, go the other way, go the other way. That the way to survive it is to actually lean into it. What? Yeah, yeah, it's to lean into it. And it's to, it's to keep paddling as you lean into the currents pushing you into that rock. Because when you, when you lean into it, you know, the, the canoe stays upright. The canoe is you know, bent up so the water's pushing against it against, versus leaning this way and the water's slowing in. It's just totally contrary to every fiber in your body. As is the wilderness you may be in right now. God has put you in your wilderness. Lean into it and keep paddling. See, the current that's throwing you into gray rock is the sovereignty of God. Which is why Moses records what he does next. So we're gonna move from, from that to this next section, verses 21 to 22, which speaks of God's presence. Look at verses 21 and 22. 
the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. You all, it's, it's not two pillars. There's a pillar of fire. It's not two, it's one. And by day, it was a pillar like a giant cloud. Think about 2.4 million people needing to see this thing from wherever they are. This is massive, it's huge. Pillar of cloud. By night, when they wouldn't be able to see the cloud, it's a pillar of fire. It's one pillar that is a cloud by day and fire by night. When Moses came to the burning bush, it was on fire. There was certainly smoke. It's, it's the presence of God. When they get to Mount Sinai later, the mountain is smoking and lit up with fire. Why? Because God is there. Y'all, this, the, the, the pillar that's cloud and that's fire, this is God's presence with them. And it's, it's tangible. They see it. And it did not depart from before the people. The point he's making is it's always, it was always with them. When God made his promise to Abraham and Abraham, he said, walk through the land that he was given him. Genesis 26, God said, I will be with you. When God told Jacob, go back to your family, your brother that you betrayed, go back. And God said in Genesis 31, I will be with you. When God called Moses, Moses said, I can't speak. God said, go. And he said, Exodus 3, 12, I will be with you. When God puts Joshua in charge after the wilderness years and they go into the land, he said to him, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you, Joshua 1.5. And when the writer of Hebrews is exhorting the early church in the midst of their own persecutions, what does he say? Hebrews 13.5, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, which leads us to this second insight, if I could offer this. It's a simple statement. God is present in our wilderness. God is present in our wilderness. Where God leads, God goes. One of the things that we're gonna see in, in, this, in these next eight weeks is uh, one of the greatest challenges for Israel. Listen, yeah, they, they, they had a challenge of food and water, et cetera. God, God meets those needs. But the deepest, greatest challenge for them, well, it was what they were learning was that God is with them. And it's the same lesson you and I can learn. Let me tell you what God's presence means because you go, well, they need, they need food, they need water. They don't need God's presence. No, we need God's presence. God's presence brings guidance and direction, provision and protection, peace and rest, hope and confidence, joy and gladness. Yes, in the wilderness of life, we need food and water. There are things we need. But I, I want to say that the lesson that God is teaching them and teach us and we'll learn through this wilderness journey is that he knows more than anything, 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 we need him. 
We need his presence. And here's where I want you to pull out your Sharpie, okay? So I've got my Sharpie. Um, go ahead and grab your Sharpie. I'm gonna have, you, have us do something here that uh, we, we thought about as a team and, and trying to come up with, how do, how do we carry through this wilderness series, a tangible expression of the lessons God is teaching us? And we're gonna invite you to do this if, if, if you would like, and I hope you do. Uh, as we need reminding, we need constant reminding. You know, God's present right in the midst of this wilderness. So here's what I want you to do. First thing I want you to do is take off your shoes. Now, I know for some of you, not everyone, but some can go back many, many years and you're thinking this is not gonna go well the last time I asked you to take off your shoes. I am not gonna take your shoes. So, so here are shoes that I, I wear these a lot, you know, in the summertime when I'm teaching. So I want you to take off your shoes. And then uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take our Sharpie and um, we're gonna write something on the bottom of our shoes. And so I'm gonna take my Sharpie and I'm gonna write the word cloud. I'm gonna write the word cloud and you know, you might have more time. I'm gonna do it quickly, but you can dress this up, but I'm just writing the word cloud on the bottom of my shoe. And I'm gonna take my other shoe and I am gonna write the word fire. Cloud on one and fire on the other. Cloud on one, fire on the other. So now I've got my shoes and one says cloud and one says fire. And uh, once you, you've done that, you know, some of you are sitting there at home, I'm sure. And you know what? You're sitting there and you don't even have shoes on. So you do what you want, but maybe go, fi go find some shoes that you wear during the summer that, you, you know, that you keep with you and write those words on the bottom. I'd also like you, and this is because we're a body and if you would, there's a, in the chat box, there's a link and, and I'd love for you to get your shoes, take a picture of whatever your shoes are, cloud, fire, however you put it on there and uh, click that link. And would you, would you click that and send it? And that way we can share it with one another. So uh, in these next few moments, you know, get your shoe done, cloud, fire, and take a picture, take that link and, and send it in. Now, why do, we, why do we say shoes? Well, let me say this. My shoes are on my feet right now. And wherever I go, <laughs> there's my feet and my shoes. And there's God. That's why. And whatever wilderness God takes you in, I'm telling you, you get in the wilderness and I don't think God's here. Well, we want these on your feet because when you're there, just grab your shoe. Fire. No, God's here. By the way, if you did this, you know, around other people, they'd go, why do you keep looking at your shoe? And uh, you can tell them, because I need to be reminded that God's presence is with me, even in this place. Let me grab the last part, verses one through four in chapter 14. Here we're gonna speak of God's glory. And, he, and here's the answer. You know, we, need, we need to get here because this is the ultimate answer to the why. The, question, the ultimate question we ask is why, why this? And here God answers that question. Look at chapter 14, verses one through four. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-ha-heroth. I'm having trouble pronouncing that one. Between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal-Ziphon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, when Pharaoh sees them do this, he'll say, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord and they did so. You know, the text earlier said they were on the edge of the wilderness. So, 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 so picture this, 2.4 million people, mass moving. They get to the edge of the wilderness. Now, their next step would be into the wilderness, which by the way, is going to be away from the danger they left behind. But when they get right to the edge of the wilderness, that God gives this command and it's crazy. He says, turn back. And literally they're going back. They hadn't left Egypt. They're going back deeper into Egypt, which means they're going deeper. They're going closer to the danger that's gonna kill them. This is like, yikes, you know? God, what are you doing? And surely I asked that question. When God says, turn back and you turn back and you're going, that's gonna kill me. Here's the reason. And this is kind of one of those stories that we get to see behind the curtain. Like what's God doing in the world? Well, we can actually get to see. God actually has them turn back so that Pharaoh and his hosts will go, you know, look, we just got word. They got to the wilderness and they chickened out. They're, they're afraid. They don't even know what they're doing. Y'all, they're coming back. Let's go crush them. The whole time, God has orchestrated all of it that he might destroy Pharaoh and his hosts be glorified and be known. Which gives us a third insight. If I could phrase it this way, God orchestrates every wilderness for his glory. Say it again, God orchestrates every wilderness for his glory. Y'all, what he did, you know, let's put it in our vernacular. What God did was, you know, they, they could step into the wilderness and probably beyond the wilderness, Pharaoh, I don't know, he may not follow. And instead he turns them and he, put, he puts his beloved between a rock and a hard place. That God puts them there. And the question I think I, I ask and we can ask is, does God still put his people Literally, does God put his people between a rock and a hard place? And I, I want to suggest the testimony of scripture screams, absolutely he does. Many examples to cite, but let's go to the example par excellence. God led his son into the wilderness, literally just prior to his public ministry. But then there was a greater wilderness and I'll say this, there has never been nor will there ever be a deeper, darker, more infinitely, infinitely profound wilderness 
than the cross. And God sent his son to the cross. Talk about putting his own between a rock and a hard place. These are some of the things we'll unpack as we go through this story, but I want you to picture in your mind's eye because we need to begin to see these stories within their greater context of the whole Bible. It's no accident the way these things happen. Picture Pharaoh, the enemy of God and God's people. He thinks that by going after them now, that he thinks they're confused, that he will crush them. He will destroy them. The whole time, Pharaoh thinking, this is my opportunity to destroy them. What happens to Pharaoh? No, it's actually God's sovereignty in destroying Pharaoh and his hosts. Fast forward thousands of years. Our greatest enemy, the devil, Satan, and his hosts saw the cross of Christ as their opportunity to crush the anointed one, to destroy God's plan. And, and, and what do we now know? That Satan's crushing of the son on the cross was the crushing of himself and death. That's no accident. And through the cross, through the cross, God is glorified. And the world knows (laughs) he is Lord. The cross and the resurrection. God leads us into the wilderness. God's presence is with us in the wilderness and God's purpose in every wilderness you all is his glory. Here's where I'd like to invite you to take the Lord's table elements. I've I've got mine here. So let's take our elements. Would you go ahead and get those? I'll give you a moment to get the, the bread and the cup. You know, why do we take the Lord's table each week? Why do we come to this table regularly as we do? Well, there's so many reasons. We speak of different ones week by week, but you know, may I offer this one in light of this context. Um, in, in the Lord's table, in the bread and the cup and the celebration of this ordinance, it is perhaps you know, the most tangible expression of the steadfast love and covenant faithfulness of God. You know, in, in the table, we're reminded that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are united with God, you all. Uh, we are now in his presence. Go further. When we put our trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us. Look, you know, you may take your shoes off when you go to bed at night, but I'm gonna tell you something. The Holy Spirit who lives in you will never leave you nor forsake you. There is the presence of God with us in all things, all achieved and accomplished and ours. How? By the life, death, and resurrection of the Son. And so holding the bread and holding the cup for a moment, would you ponder right now, just I'll lead us in prayer and we'll take them, but think for a moment, ask the spirit to teach you. What do these words, this living word from God today have to say to you in your place of wilderness? 
Well, the text tells us God leads us into the wilderness. God's presence is with us in the wilderness. God's purpose is in every wilderness is his glory. Would you consider those truths in light of this truth of the table and what God might be inviting you to believe and trust him for? Father, thank you for sending the Son. Lord Jesus, thank you for living a perfectly righteous life. Thank you for giving your physical body up to be crucified, broken that we might be made whole. We remember your crucifixion and your coming again at this table. Take and eat the bread. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood. It is not the blood of bulls and goats, which covered sin for generations, but it is the precious blood of the Son of God, which cleanses us from all sins forever, which satisfies the wrath of a holy God against sin. Thank you that you gave your life, your blood is the life and it was poured out so that we would never have to give our life in payment for our sin. And in taking this, we remember your crucifixion, your resurrection, and we remember that you are coming again and that yes, you are with us in every wilderness. Take and drink. Now let me, let me remind you just a, a couple things as we conclude. You know, there's, there's another reason why we had you write cloud and fire on your shoes of all things. Yes, because your shoes, wherever you go, you are. But Carl had mentioned this earlier in the week and we thought this is so appropriate. You know, when Moses gets to the end of the wilderness and Joshua is getting ready to take the people in, Moses looks back at those 40 years and he says to the people in Deuteronomy 29.5, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn off your feet. Take, take all the plagues, take all the miracles that happened in the wilderness. How about this one? Their shoes didn't wear out, y'all. Their shoes didn't wear out. And physically thinking that your shoes would be the first thing that go when you're trudging through the desert and the rocks and the sand. I mean, they, they get to, leather gets destroyed. And God said, you know, I, God said, I, your sandals didn't wear out. Why? Because God was with them. May we be reminded, cloud and fire, <laughs> they're not gonna wear out because God will never not be with us wherever we are. We'd certainly like to pray with you. Some of you have already clicked it, but if, as we conclude, if, 
if you would like to um, be prayed for, I, I, I would invite you to um, click that link so we can pray with you. I didn't mention this earlier and I will because, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to show you some, but you know, if you, if, when you do your shoes, by the way, if you'll, there's a link in the chat box and if you'll click that link, you can send the picture in. I would love, we would, we all would love as a community of faith, love to see your shoes and how you wrote on them cloud and fire. So let me invite you to do that. Click the, click the link right there on your chat box and, and upload your picture and let's, let's share those with one another. There is a blessing that... Uh, that is buried within the wilderness years. And uh, we are gonna, we're gonna come back to it over and over. Even as Lindsay had mentioned, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have the confessional as we're moving through these wilderness, this wilderness journey. And so uh, I'm gonna ask you to stand. Would you do that for me, please? Go ahead and stand up. Um, get ready to dismiss. And may I read this benediction over you. Familiar? I'm gonna tweak it a little at the end that you'll see. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord keep your shoes from wearing out to remind you in cloud and fire. He is with you always. Amen. And God bless. We look forward to seeing you next week.